Well, good morning. How we doing? All right. I'll be right back. We're going to try this again, okay? All right, ready? Let's pretend like it's the week after Easter. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. All right, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit today. Allergies are getting me. Anybody else? We all pray for spring until it gets here. Um, we're starting a new series today called Transformation. Uh, and the whole idea of this series is we come out of Easter and the celebrating of the resurrection and so many taking maybe first steps into their faith. Uh, we want to talk about some things in our life that after we accept Christ begin to need to transform, to change. Uh, when we encounter Christ, it demands change in our life. When we step into relationship with him, change comes. And it, this isn't just a series for the, the, the first-time believer, the brand-new believer. This is a series for all of us because all of us, no matter how long we've been following Christ, need to be humble enough to admit that we also need transformation in our life. We need change in areas. Amen? Amen? Amen. But before we do that, God gave me a special revelation this week. It was about T-ball. <laughs> Anybody... Uh, have any kids under the age of five right now? Anybody have any kids? God bless you. Uh, T-ball is very interesting. I saw a correlation between T-ball and the Christian faith this week. My kids just started T-ball. And I'll tell you one thing. T-ball has nothing to do with skill. It has nothing to do with athleticism. It has nothing to do with effort. T-ball is strictly about survival. T-ball is surviving those three innings. That's all it is. And if you ever watched a T-ball game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, let me paint a picture for you. T-ball is something like this. Normally, when you go to a baseball game and someone hits the ball, they hit the ball, they drop the bat, and they run to first. T-ball, nope. T-ball, they hit the ball, and then they keep the bat in their hand and wield it as a weapon as they run to first. Swinging it as anybody comes close to them. And then you got, it's like herding cats. You, you get them to first and you're trying to tell them, okay, here's where you're going next. Here's where you're going. When I say go, you go. And this just happened this last week at my kid's game. The kid's at first, he's about ready to go, and the coach, the ball is hit, the coach says, go. He says, okay. And he just runs all the way to center field. He just turns and he's running. And he's just sprinting. He has no idea where he's going. He's just running in circles, and all of a sudden, mom comes and starts chasing him. Now it's a game. Now he's running from mom. It, it, it's just running, running in circles. It's the most running I've done in a while. <laughs> and you're like, what does this have to do with the Christian faith? Well, simple. A lot of us are just running in center field. <laughs> a lot of us the same way. We got to first. We, we, we're there. And now we're like, what's next? What do I do? I feel like I'm just running in circles. This is what this series is going to talk about. And because when it comes to this word transformation, you're going to see in a lot of our visuals and our graphics and on the merch that we're selling, uh, the picture of a butterfly. Because some of you have heard me preach on this before, but there's something really interesting about a butterfly. I lived under this false um, understanding for most of my life. I thought when a caterpillar went into the cocoon, he just went in there and took a nap. He slept. He just slept for a while and then came out and it was a beautiful butterfly. What a great nap. You know, that's not what happens. 
what happens is when a caterpillar goes into the cocoon stage, the caterpillar dies. Okay, I have to tell you a really funny story. It has nothing to do with this. Last service, last service I told this, this exact start. When I said the caterpillar died, there was a four-year-old kid in the back that just screamed, what? <laughs> just screamed it out. I was so, I was like, I just ruined this kid's life. I had to change my whole sermon. I was like, the caterpillar sleeps for a long period of time. <laughs> the caterpillar dies in the cocoon. It dies. It doesn't just die. It's turned to mush. Every part of it's broken down to this gooey state. And then out of that gooey mush, a butterfly is formed. Us as Christians are the same. When we step into relationship with Christ, the old us dies. And we are called to live as a new creation. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. Now, I wanna just, before we talk, jump into the meat of this sermon series here and we start talking about change and transformation, I forgot to celebrate one really amazing thing. We celebrated Easter last Sunday, anybody here for that? Anybody here for that? Great, it was a great time, come on. Now, we have a group of friends that watch uh, with our God Behind Bars program every Tuesday. And they watched the Easter service this last Tuesday and 92 men showed up. 92 men showed up. Now, here's the best part. At the response moment to give their life to Christ, over 50 men stood to give their life to Christ. Come on. Make some noise, let them hear it. Come on, they're gonna watch this. And just like many of us in this room, you've crossed that line of faith, now it's time for your life to start that transformation process. For things in your life to begin to change. And there's four types of people, I believe, when it comes to change. I think all of us in this room will fit into one of these four categories. When I say it, don't shout it out, okay? That would be bad for you for some of them. You know, there's, or don't shout out your spouse, okay? Like, yeah, he's that one. Um, there's four types of people when it comes to change. There's the resistant ones. The resistant ones, the I don't need to change. These, these are the kind of people that will even sometimes use scripture to make excuses for their need not to change. Like hypothetically someone, this is, has an anger issue, just gets angry and has outbursts and being called to change in this area, they'll be like, well, Jesus threw tables, so I don't have to change. There's some of us are resistant to change. I think we're all sometimes resistant to change in areas of our life. There's the second type of person, there's the passive one. The passive one, the one that will say, I'll get there. I just need time. Don't worry, I'm gonna get around to that. I got plenty of time. You know, I'm working some things out. I'll get there, I just need a little more time. The passive one, the third one is this, the willing one. The willing one, and the willing one is almost there. This is the one that's like, I wish I could change. I wish I could change this. I don't know what to do, I don't know how, I wish. I'm willing, I'm open. And then the fourth one, which I hope we all get to, 
when it comes to transformation and change in our life? The passionate one. The one that is passionate about changing areas in their life that need change. This kind of person is the one that when they hear something that stirs up in them a call for change, leaves and goes, I gotta change now. The time's now. I, I, I don't have time to wait. I need to change this area of my life. I need to change my thinking. If it makes my day or my week different, if it means I'm not going to work on Monday because I need to change this, I'm doing it. When it comes to change and transformation in our life, we need passion. We need passion in this area. One of the biggest tools the enemy will use against us is convincing us that we just, just we have time. You don't need to work towards, just come on, take life easy. You need passion because life is hard and, and a Christian life demands change in us, amen? We can't approach it softly. We can't approach it just, I'll get there someday. If we're going to see change or transformation in our life, it, it requires us to have a passion, to wake up, to look ourselves in the mirror, call out the things in us that need to change and begin to do it. That's what we need. It says this in Luke 9, verse 23 and 24. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to follow me, be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. If you want to be my follower, this is Jesus, if you want to follow me, it requires you giving up your own desires, giving up your own life, and to pick up your cross and to follow me. One of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity is that when we accept Christ, everything is going to be easy. You remember, you remember what it was like? You know, maybe some of you are experiencing this right now. You're like, I, I accepted Christ. I woke up the next day, still wanted to sin. What's up with that? Pastor said I was gone. You know, it's like we expect everything in life to be easy, not just with the battles of our, in our life, but even the circumstances of our life. That we're just gonna be skipping along on rose petals once we've made this decision. That's not the case. What Jesus is saying here is if you are going to follow me, it's gonna require you to give up everything. Give, give up everything to me and to pick up your cross. To carry it to feel the burden, to feel the weight of bearing my name. But here's the beauty of our faith and our Savior. Here it is. When we pick up our cross, when we are in relationship with Jesus, we no longer have to carry it alone. We no longer have to carry it alone because Jesus already carried his and he gave his life on it and conquered the devil for good. He's already won the victory. So when we pick up our cross, yes, it might be heavy. Yes, it might call us to go through hard situations, but we walk with our loving Savior, Jesus, who's already felt the weight of it. Amen? We have, we're called to do this. And as we dive into this series, we're going to be talking over the next couple weeks of just different areas in our life that need to transform. And today we're going to be focusing on worship. Worship. We all worship something, everyone in here. 
Even maybe if you're a non-believer or maybe even an atheist in here, there's something in your life as we dive through this, you'll see what I'm talking about, that holds that place of worship in our life. We all worship something, and after we've accepted Christ and we've given our life to him, we begin to worship him. But we're gonna look at worship today and what it is. If you look at the definition on Google of what worship is, this is what it says. Worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. That's what it's defined as. But in Christianity, Christianity is the transformation of rebels into worshipers of God. Christianity is taking rebels, the ones who are broken and hurt, and transforming them into sold out worshipers of God. But there's a system to worship. One thing I think we miss all the time, when we view worship, we think worship is when I come on Sunday mornings and Grayson and the team sing a great song and I, I sing the words and I, maybe if I'm feeling a little out there that day, I'll raise my hands and you know, I, might, I might sing louder and that's my worship, but worship is so much more than that. Worship, as we're gonna talk about, is so much deeper than just singing a song. And we have to be transformed in how we worship. There's an order to worship. The first thing that we should do when we engage in worship with our Heavenly Father, the first step that many of us miss, that many of us skip, the first step is repentance. When we begin to worship, we enter with a heart of repentance. This is the starting point. This is how we get started worshiping God, is in repentance saying to God, God, I am, I am sorry for the mistakes I made. Father, forgive me for the ways I've fallen away. Forgive me for the things that I've done. Forgive me, set me free from these addictions I struggle with. Repentance. It's getting to a place of complete repentance and pouring out through confession to where our heart is broken. Broken for the things that we have done that caused that gap between us and God that Christ had to die for. Repentance, and if we're honest, if we're honest, sometimes we skip this step and we engage with worship as a way of not repenting, but if we sing loud enough, if we sing passionately enough, if we say the right things, we're not repentive, but we begin to try to cover the feelings and the hurts of our mistakes. Through this, instead of repenting, instead of confessing, we're just trying to sing our way until we feel better about the mistakes we've made. You know, we come to church, and we begin to worship, and we're singing these songs on the stage. God, I give you all of my life. Thank you for the blood. Wasn't that just a great song? Thank you for the blood, how it's transformed and changed me. Thank you for that. And the whole time, it's just like, uh, last week, we were, we were lying. We were stealing from a company. We were being dishonest to our family. We, we were stepping out of bounds in our marriage and, and we were doing inappropriate things and we come to church and we just try to mask it with singing. Worship is us bringing these things to God. These broken things and saying, God, I've messed up. I've done this thing. I need forgiveness for this. That's the first step 
And we can't just pass over it. When we worship, it starts with repentance, and then it goes to priority. Worship is designed to help us prioritize our life. Like I said, we all worship something. But it says this in Psalm 63, verses three through five. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with this song of joy. This psalm is about saying, God, you are the top in my life. I'm putting you above everything else. You hold the top spot in my life. We start with repentance, and then we examine our life and saying, where does God fall in my life? Being honest with myself. Is he really the number one thing that satisfies me, that is better than money, that is better than food, that is better than health, that is better than security, that is the number one in my life? Repentance, priority, and then we get to desire. The desires of our heart. To sing and to praise. For our heart to cry out to him. As you continue reading this psalm, it says this. In verse six. I lie awake thinking of you. Meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Worship is us clinging on to God. Our, our desires, our life, clinging on to him. We start with repentance and then we prioritize and then we begin to desire after him. His presence, his, him moving in our life. And we have to go through this system when we worship because we don't want to worship out of an unrepentive heart, out of a priority system that's off. You know what I do every Sunday before I come out here? I want a little glimpse into my life? Because I, I hate to break it to you. I sin. I know some of you are shocked. Some of you are like, yeah, we know. I, every time before I come and preach, I stand back there and I repent. I, I open up my heart to God and I go through all the things and the mistakes I've done that week and the failures and how I've slipped and I just lay it all out because I don't wanna come out here and preach a sermon and preach to you guys and talk about the things you should do with unrepentive sin in my life. That's how we start worship. And when we accept Christ, this transformation of worship begins in us. Like I said, we all worship something, but there's three things that need to change with that worship. Number one, there needs to be a transformation of what we worship. What we worship. We need to go from it being a what to a who. That, that, that thing in our life that we worship, it needs to go from being a thing, but to God. Like I said, what holds the top spot in your life? What, 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 what holds the most of your mental focus? What holds the, the, that thing, the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? And it's not all bad stuff. Sometimes it's, man, the security for my family. If 
financial security. Maybe it's, maybe it's just my, my, my kids or my wife. And they, just, they take this top priority in our life that was designed for God. Some old guy named John said this quote. It says this. God will put up with a great many things in the human heart. But there is one thing that he will not put up with. And that is second place. He who offers God second place, place offers him no place. God is not okay with being a part of your life. God is not okay with having a corner of your life. God desires your whole life. He desires to be the one, the top, the priority. And so often, we begin to just make God a part. Our whole life is built, and we say, God, okay, here's your corner of the pie. You know those, those budget pie charts? You know, we're like, we're, we have all these things, and then we're like, okay, God, hey, big year for you, God, you get 20%. Big year, it was 15 last year, so. No, we are designed for God to be everything. That's what he wants. He doesn't want just parts. When we worship him, he doesn't want just some, he wants all. And we have to evaluate ourselves. New Christians, old Christians, Christians that have been saved for years and some that have just begun. Where is God in the, the priority list of our life? And I will tell you this just honestly, there was times in my life where I become heartbroken because I have misdone this list. Where I have moved things ahead of God. Not on purpose, but if we are not cautious with it, he will begin to just become a part of our life. We need to not worship what, but who. The second thing we need to transform in our life is the why we worship. Why, why we worship. It, it, it takes us from a, we worship not for, we worship not for, but we worship to. Why do we do this thing, worship? Why do we pour our hearts out to God? I wrote down just a couple of things here. We worship, number one, to thank him. To thank him. To thank God. To just praise him for his greatness. It says this in Romans 12:1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Give, give your life to him out of thanksgiving. That's worship. Man, and I just think so, so, sometimes, if we're honest, we have become so passive and numb to the magnitude of what God did for us. We attach all these things onto the Christian walk and there's all these amazing things that we're pursuing and we're going after. And we've become just numb to the magnitude of our salvation. How big of a deal it was that he sent and gave his son. As someone who's been a Christ follower a long time now, and there's a lot of us in this room, 
I will tell you this, it is the best life. It is. There's nothing like it, right? Right? Am I alone? No. It's the best life. And I think about this all the time, how we, be, we forget so often just to thank him for the gift of salvation. What if it was just, what if all of the Christian faith, the only thing we got was eternity? That was it. Wouldn't that be enough? Isn't that more than enough? Like the starting point, when we step into relationship with Jesus, I love this about him, because we step into relationship with him, we give our life to him, and we pray that prayer, and he becomes the Lord of our life, and God's like, here you go, eternity! Yes! And it's just such a big deal, and we've become so numb to it. How amazing it is. At least for me, I look back at my life all the time and I think about all the things, the hurts and how many times I hurt people and lied and stole and cheated and I'm just blown away that God chose me. He, he was like, you know, Shane, you could come too. I'm like, what? I'm sure they're all great people, but me? Thank you. Thank you. It's like my kids. My kids are getting talked to a lot today. My kids, when they, we try to have them eat. Eating with five-year-olds is the worst. They are horrible eaters. Any parents relate to that? It's just they don't like anything. They don't like anything. And my kids will do this thing where my, my wife will cook this beautiful dinner for them. She'll even ask them, what do you want? What, what, what is your heart's desire for tonight's meal? And my kids will go, mac and cheese. <laughs> oh, yes. My wife will make the best mac and cheese you've ever seen. It's not just a box. It's, it's the best. And she will bring this mac and cheese to them, set it in front of them, and my kids will do this. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I want a bar. I just want, I want a bar. I want something different. I don't want that anymore. And I, I'll just be honest, uh, give me grace. This is about the time that dad starts to boil a little bit. You know, I'm just like, what do you mean? You don't want it anymore. And I'll do this move. You know this move, parents. Don't you know that there is kids <laughs> all around the world who don't have mac and cheese? And you're just going to throw it away? Do you not love kids? Oh, it gets me. And then I think about me. You know, God looks down at us. And how often we don't thank him for the gift of salvation. For what he gave us. For what he freely gave us. We take advantage of it. And we become numb to it. I want us to be a church. Grace, hear my heart. I want us to be a church that when we wake up every day, we don't move until we are wrecked with the magnitude of the salvation of Jesus Christ over our life. It should break us. It should change how we live, how we worship him that day, to thank him. Worship is also why we worship. We worship to surrender. Worship is a way of us surrendering to God. Surrendering to him. 
I remember when I first got saved, I went to a church service. Everybody had their hands up. And I was like, is this a holdup? What are they doing? And as I began to watch and learn, I realized that when we worship, we are surrendering. We are coming to a place of saying, God, I surrender to you. I give my life over and over again. God, I surrender to you. And gosh, I will tell you just honestly, I'm at this place in life where I'm praying some really, really crazy prayers. Because I'm praying things like this when I surrender to God. God, I surrender to you. And if there's anything in my life that is stopping me from prioritizing you, to thanking you, to surrendering to you, take it away. I don't care if it hurts God. Just do what it takes to get me to a place of complete surrender. Because that's what I'm called to do. Take all the money. Take all the possessions. Take all the friends. Take all the vacations. Take everything. I just want to be surrendered to you, God. Take everything. That's the posture when we worship. It's us completely surrendering to him. And the third thing we need to transform in worship is this. We need to transform when we worship. When we worship. Because worship is not an hour on Sundays. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a pouring out daily, moment by moment. And sometimes, yes, it comes in song. But worship is our life and how we live. We need to transform when we worship. Luke 10, 27 says this verse. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor like yourself. You must love the God, love your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and with all of your mind, what this is saying, do you get the key word here? All. All. Here's how we interpret this verse. I'm just being honest. Don't throw things at me. This is the, the, the Western Christian view of this verse sometimes. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with some of your heart, with at least a little of your soul, and whatever strength you have left, and whatever sanity you have left at the end of the day. That's not what it says. Love the Lord your God with all of your life, completely, moment by moment, day by day. And I know some of you are like, Shane, this sounds great. You just want me to lock myself in a room and just praise all day? Don't do anything? No? Like, yeah, I guess, but no. I'm saying don't lock yourself or hide yourself away. Develop a life that is full of worship. That when you walk around and you're around people, you are worshiping God with how you treat them. When, when, you, when you go to the store and you're interacting with the cashier, you are worshiping God with the words you are using. 
It's not just about singing songs. It's about giving every area of our life to him. Amen? Transforming us. All of us. When it comes to worship, do you remember, do you remember what it was like when you first gave your life to Christ? Some of you, you're like, yeah, it was last week. Some of us, it's been a long time. Do you remember what that feeling was like? Gosh. For me, I remember waking up the day after, after I'd cried my eyes out at the altar. Cried so much, my eyes hurt. I remember waking up that next day, that Monday, full of so much joy. I couldn't even be contained. I was like in Walmart, just like, oh, guys, I'm never going to die. Oh, Jesus saved me. Cashier's like, cool, man. I was just, I was so excited. My life was just like, just overflowing with gratefulness and thankfulness and worship for Jesus. And it was so pure. Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember what it was like before things that, like the politics and the judgment and the passivity and before you became good at faking it? When it was real and raw, before you became good at playing church and saying the right things and doing the right things and just so everybody thought I was good and you, knew how, you know how to play the system so well. Do you remember what it was like when your heart was just overflowed with pure, authentic gratitude and worship to Jesus before everything in the world tried to steal it from you? Because that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to have a bunch of things come into your life to take that away. The world, Reno, needs Christians who hold on to that first love, that live a life like it's just that first day. Amen? Amen. Matt Redman writes a song when it comes to worship. It's called The Heart of Worship. And it's a beautiful song that talks about what we're talking about today. And if, if you're a new believer, I want you to hear these words and hear this song and never lose them. Never stray away. Make this your focus. Or maybe you're someone in here today who's, it's got a little muddy. There's a lot of things. And maybe today's the day where you get to what this song is talking about. What I want to do is I just want everybody to close your eyes. And I'm just going to read the lyrics of this song. And I want you just to think about it. Is this what worship is to you? Here's the song. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It says, I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. 
You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Go ahead and open your eyes. I think some of us need to get back to that heart of worship for Jesus. We need to repent, we need to prioritize, and we need to desire Him. And we just need to get to a place of authentic worship that was just about Him, that He's enough. It's all about Him. So would you all stand with me? Would you all stand with me? We're gonna sing this song. We're gonna sing this song and proclaim that we are coming back. As a church, as an individual, we are coming back to this pure heart where it's all about Him. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together. So oh. 